This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Shouldn't you be at work? When the seagulls follow the trawler, it's because they think sardines will be thrown into the sea. I will love it if we beat them. Love it. I'll have a low-fat pizza or something like that, or a few biscuits and some milk on a Sunday. You can pair up if you like, and you can fucking pick someone else to help you, and you can bring your fucking dinner. Go leg! Hit leg! Hit leg over the top! Now, you know him better than anybody, probably. Do you back him to score quickly, yes or no? Yes. Hello and welcome to Quickly Kevin, Will He Score, the 90s football show. I am Chris Skoll, joining me my co-host Josh Widdicombe. Hello. And more 90s than a public health notice not to go back to a lit firework. It's Michael Marden. <laughs> Hello. That's big, wasn't it? Is that not yeah. a thing still? Have they made fireworks safe it now? It is, but less so. I don't think people do as many home fireworks displays. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think really the park-based fireworks display has taken over. Oh, interesting. Home park, Argyle used to do their own. Yeah. Home park. Any good? Never went, it was miles away. I have a controversial opinion about fireworks, which is they are massively hate overrated. Yeah. I, yeah! Hate, I hate, totally is, hate is Love fireworks. I just think it I is. I love them. You, you've seen one firework display, you've seen them all. Anyone who's completed solitaire. <laughs> <laughs> won't enjoy it as much. <laughs> Shall we crack on with some correspondence? Why not? You've got mail. Okay. The Witter Fry slash Fry as a Kite slash Frying with Laughter is back. We've had more Barry Fry updates. Fireworks. Oh, yes, please. <laughs> Great going forward. Pops it to back, mate. <laughs> I can't keep a good man down. Um, this one from Neil Roger really made me laugh. Once, me and three mates had a car accident on the way back from okay. a Luton Town away game at Birmingham. Don't worry, it gets better. We were all okay but very shaken up and had to wait five hours at Watford Gap oh. service station. After an hour or so, the South End team bus pulled in <laughs> and Barry Fry got off of the team. Barry saw us recognise him and said, All right, lads! And one of my more dramatic mates said, Not really, Barry. We just nearly died in a car crash. To which Barry responded, Fantastic! Love it! Have a good one! (laughs) (laughs) 
Harry Fry not listening at all oh, to what's being wow. said. I don't normally like people that believe their own kind of reputation and hype, but yeah. Barry Fry. <laughs> if you've got any more on Barry Fry, and I think we're aching to know more. <laughs> Have you met the Fry stuff? <laughs> if you've met him, we fancy a fry up. Hello at yeah. quicklykevin.com. Okay, and now it's time to bring back a feature we've introduced in this third series. It's called Do I Remember This Right? 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 This email from Edward Gibson. I have always, like what he's about to describe, this scenario, I have always wondered why it doesn't happen more often. He says this, Just a quick addition to your oeuvre in the form of my contribution to Do I Remember That Right? In the mid-90s, I was a Kent-based Stoke City supporter. There weren't many of us. One Saturday, my father and I decided to go and lend support to our local club, Gillingham, as they were languishing at the bottom of the football league and needed all the help they could get. I have a foggy but definite memory of there being a whip round at half-time in order to fund a player purchase. (laughs) Such was the shit that the club was in. Anyway, Dad and I chucked chucked a fiver in, a George Stevenson vintage fiver, and watched the game. I don't know where I heard this next, but my memory is is of that whip around buying Leo Fortune West for the Gills, who went on to score the goals which kept them up and ultimately got them promoted. He would go on to score against my beloved Stoke in a playoff semi-final for Cardiff years later, so it's not a fond memory for me personally. My dad is the one who still bangs on about this story the most, and he's prone to a tall tale. So if anyone can clear this up, it'd be much appreciated. I really want that to be true. (laughs) I just don't believe that a whip round of... If Gillingham are bottom of yeah. what is now League Two, what kind of gate they're are they getting? getting? They're doing well if they're getting three thousand, right. right? So let's say let's 3, say 000. generously, everyone puts in a tenner, which, which, which is they, not going to happen. They don't. He's costing more than thirty grand. Sure. Well, in those days, um, players cost a lot in leagues one and two, in what's now League One and Two, especially a like goal when, scorer. When Plymouth are in what is now League One, we were shelling out two hundred and fifty to three hundred and fifty grand on players which, yeah. on, a, on a single player now you literally will never have to pay a fee for a player in the bottom two divisions yeah everyone is on short contract everyone's free basically yeah. at the end yeah. of every season I just don't believe it happened however I do remember at Plymouth a similar thing that we had this player on loan called Howard Forrington <laughs> great name great name we got from Birmingham <laughs> he sounded like a top hat on a penny farthing <laughs> Chaps. It's a real Howard That's really tickled me. But um, we had a bad chairman who just wouldn't buy players, and there was discussions on the message board of the fans clubbing together to buy Howard Forrington. <laughs> <laughs> but then it just hit so many hitches. Like, for instance, if. <laughs> I have to say his name again, Sam. <laughs> I was just thinking a picture of the Plymouth team photo and him wearing a monocle. <laughs> so Howard's <laughs> the striker that shall not be known. But there's too many problems. Like if he play, if he was dropped, the fans would have too much of investment in him, yeah. right? Or if the club sold him on, would the fans get their money back? Like <laughs> there's too many 
business issues. Yeah. You can't just buy Howard Fine. It's like <laughs> an early form of third party ownership. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what happened with Carlos yeah. Tevez. There was a whip round at Corinthians. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I answered that quite seriously, but luckily yeah. the guy had a funny name. Well, yeah. yeah. But sadly, he did die on the Titanic, so. We're <laughs> He didn't know. Yeah. Uh, he, he was locking the other people downstairs. <laughs> Do I remember this right? 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 Right. Right. I've got Gaza story. We get yeah. Gaza stories every now and again, and but this one I thought was especially good. Yeah, yeah. It's from Simon Margali. Back in 1989, yes, yes, I know it's not the 90s, I was a typical nine-year-old obsessed with Spurs and, of course, Gaza was my idol. It also transpired that the dad of a good school friend happened to be his agent. Come a summer, our local youth club, Kenton, held its annual family fun day and who better to be special guest than Mr Paul Gascoigne? Huge booking. Yeah, that's Even massive. in 1989, that's a big booking. Yeah, yeah it wouldn't happen now. <laughs> we can't get him on this now. A year later, he got a huge booking against West Germany. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Sorry, I, I didn't do that just to set that up. <laughs> Feels like you did. It does, I know it, it does. It a yard in the head, Teddy yeah. Sheringham-esque setup. Um, <laughs> after being a true gent and posing for photos, and he sent a picture as well, and signing hundreds of autographs, it had been agreed that Gaza would referee our 11-a-side <laughs> actual under-10s league match against bitter rivals and perennial league winners, Bushy. It's amazing what the agent of a Division One footballer can get a league administrator to do. <laughs> so Gaza, sorry, Gaza yeah. came to their soccer fun day or whatever it is. Yeah, he came down to sign some autographs and pictures. Somehow he's become ref. Uh, and a local derby, Kenton versus Bushy, though, yeah. eleven aside under tens league match. Yeah. Okay, it's fifteen minutes in, and uh, Simon's team Kenton are two 0 down. At this point, it becomes clear that Gaza is bored <laughs> shitless, <laughs> pretending to ref watching a load of nine-year-olds chase a size five. He decided to throw the whistle to a random dad told one kid to get off the pitch because 11 v 11 dynamic must be preserved and thought, fuck it, I'm playing. <laughs> Ten seconds later, I had the ball at my feet in the right-back position. Gaza came and took it off me, proceeded to dribble his way around a load of petrified nine-year-olds before genuinely smashing the ball full pelt past the nine-year-old keeper and celebrating accordingly. Wow. He did this twice more to make the score 3-2 before returning to refereeing duties. Despite it being Gaza, the opposition parents were incandescent with rage <laughs> that a ringer was helping to beat their precious little angels. Needless to say, the match result was void, but I still maintain that I assisted a Gaza Astonishing. Guard. What I find astonishing is he'd scored one and then there was not enough uproar to stop it. They I mean, thought, well, it's still 2-1, we might hold on it. Yeah. If your kid was on the opposing team and Gaza did that, would you stop it or would you be like... This is Gaza. I don't want to be the guy that's. Well, remember, he's this. not Gaza by this point. This is 1989. Yeah, yeah he's not Italian. So it's the equivalent of if Steve Hodge did it. <laughs> <laughs> like a midfielder on the verge of the England yeah. team. If now your your son was playing under 11s football and Jordan Henderson did that, how would you feel? I'd probably be annoyed. Either Jordan Henderson would probably just sit in front of the back four. <laughs> Square balls to eleven-year-olds. Yeah. Have you? possession stats up. <laughs> right, it's time for Pat Nevin, Josh, a man that makes Graham Rousseau look like David Speedy. Newell waiting for support. That's a good ball. Nevin jumping, and again, Pat Nevin. Everton are in front. 
To be seen as a cool footballer in 2018, you need sleeve tattoos and a self-aggrandizing Instagram account. That is not what Quickly Kevin are looking for. To ask us the coolest footballer of all time, we'd look for a man who was friends with John Peel, fought racism on the terraces, DJs with an exquisite post-punk playlist, beat player after player with tricky wing play, and most excitingly, played in the indiest of all international tournaments, Euro 92. <laughs> so a pleasure to welcome to Quickly Kevin, Pat Nevin. Hey, well, it's great to be here. Absolutely fantastic. A DJ a bit around in Dalston. This um, is what we're looking for. We didn't have this with Ian Dowie. <laughs> <laughs> so we'd like to start every uh, episode with a same quiz question. Go on. We'd like you to run us through uh, your shirt sponsors throughout your career. And did you get anything free from them? <laughs> um, now, I've Googled remember. you at Clyde and I don't think you had a sponsor. No, nope. first year at Chelsea, no sponsor. Oh, really? Um, no. Um, first one with Chelsea was Gulf Air. Um, oh, yeah. I vaguely yeah. remember that one. Get a free flight? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> however, however, we did go to Baghdad. Oh, did you? Team. To promote it? Well, yeah, it was something got to do with that. So we ended up going over to um, Baghdad. Day of the game, turn up at three o'clock in the afternoon. Everyone's there. Team, their team, the Iraqi national team. Yeah. 40,000 people, referee, everyone, 100 degrees heat. Nothing happens. We all just stand there. And we stand there. And we stand there. Half past three, we're still standing there. You can't warm up because it's boiling. Anyway, at four o'clock, we were allowed to carry on. And the reason being, we had to wait for the guest of honour to turn up. A chap called Saddam Hussein. Oh, wow! <laughs> wow! So, we ended up meeting Saddam afterwards. You met Saddam Hussein? Yeah, yeah. I mean, did, did you confirm him to Ken Bates? <laughs> You've took the words in my mouth. They, I think they were long lost brothers. I think in many ways they have so much in common. We do the game, we finish it, we draw 1-1. We got them get our trophy, which is the size of this wine glass. Yeah. They got them get theirs, which is bigger than me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and in the next day's papers, they won 2-1. Oh, really? Yes. Wow. Amazing. <laughs> they did. That's amazing. It's great. Ken, Ken's, uh, Ken and I had the strangest relationship. I think he's got strange relationships with everyone. Uh, but, but we, it's an odd one because it's not, a, 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 we don't dislike each other. We Do you like each other? No. Did I say that too quickly? <laughs> <laughs> well, the reason being, and I think it all came one day, it was two days, I did ask to get taken off in a game at halftime to go and see a gig, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he was quite confused about this. And, um, it was the Carpto Twins. Yeah. And you asked when negotiating your new contract yes. to come off at halftime to see them at Royal Albert Hall Yeah. The contract negotiations, those were the weirdest ones that I had with Ken. Right. When um, I went into his office. Now, I've never had an agent. Yeah. So I went into his office and he said, right. Um, no, he asked me and he said, right, we, you need you in a new contract. And I was, I'd signed a two-year. I'd done a year. I got player of the year, a bit weirdly, because they weren't even expecting me to get in the first team. So he said, you need to sign a new contract. And I went, I don't think I need to, but, you know, if you offer me one, he goes, well, well you need a new contract. I said, Good, what are you offering me? He says, no, no, that's not how it works. You need to tell us your demands. And I went, well, I'm not the demanding type of chap. You know, <laughs> you've brought me in to offer. Anyway, this toed and throwed for a while. I said, look, I'll go away and I'll come Are you back. nervous in this situation? No, I couldn't give a stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not bored. I can play football for the love of it somewhere else. Yeah. It didn't matter if I'm paid or not. I wasn't paid much anyway. Yeah. So Ken Bates um, said, I had to go away and think about what to ask. So I went away, got an A4 sheet of paper and typed out what I wanted. 
and I'd, you know. Well, so can you tell us what you'd uh, written on that? Okay, so I I was on one hundred and eighty pounds a week beforehand. After tax, you're about one hundred, one hundred and ten. My yeah. rent was hundred pound a week. Yeah. There was no money for food unless we won. <laughs> Fortunately, we won every week that year because yeah. we were in a league and got promotion. So I could have done with some more money, but you know, well, I'm a camp student. I just, as long as I can get to gigs, I'm fine. And and anyway, so I go in the next day and I've got the back paper. So I've now asked for 500 quid a week, <laughs> four or five flights a year back to Scotland. Yeah. And that's about it, really. Yeah. So I've came in, put it on the table. Ken's picked it up, looked at it, scrunched it up, threw it in the bin, stood up, walked out, slammed the door, jumped into his Rolls Royce Cornish and drove away. <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, that didn't really go great, did it? <laughs> and I'm sitting there, and he's, he's not even, he didn't even say hello. So he's gone before we got to hello. Wow. And I'm sitting there. So he made one basic schoolboy error. Yeah. He forgot I came from the East End of Glasgow. <laughs> so I did what everyone from the East End of Glasgow would do. I rifled through his drawers. And I found every single contract of every single player. Amazing. <laughs> 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 and that night, I'd done a mean, median and mode average. <laughs> Of them all. <laughs> so I come in the next day and he goes, he was, have you thought any more about that? And I went, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's not 500. I want £517.50. And he went, you're having a laugh. What are you? Nobody's on that. And I went, you're right. Nobody's on that. But it's the average. And he went, you can't know what the average is. And I said, yeah, I can. I rifle through your drawers. I mean, everyone's on. <laughs> and he just looked at me as if I said, <laughs> that is amazing. Brilliant. It's yours. Give me. Oh, wow. <laughs> so oh. that's the Ken. That's the other yeah. side of Ken. The, See, oh. And we always had this kind of, kind of respect because of it. Yeah. After that. It's like heat, you know, De Niro and Bettino. Yeah. And heat. <laughs> so, I, so eventually, many years later, we didn't know that I was down at Chelsea and they said they were having this gala dinner that Ken was organising. And he said, damn, I can't finish this story because it involves swearing. I'll change no, that. No, 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 you can. You can. It's fine. Not the C word. Um, <laughs> we can anyway, bleep it. Okay, then. So <laughs> he said to me, um, I, I, we went down, and he got everybody that had been important people on his time at Chelsea. John Neal, who was the, the manager, who'd never gone back, got him to come back. It was a really special night. Anyway, he got his secretary to come up to me and said, look, Pat, could you go and say a few words and tell a few stories about Ken? Because there's quite a lot of posh people there and mm -hmm. that as well. And I said, yeah, of course, I do a lot after dinner stuff. It's fine. Yeah, no problem. And she said, what sort of stories will you tell Ken would like to know? And I, I, I said a few, and I, I mentioned that one about the contracts. Yeah. So she went, oh, great. She went back to Ken, and, she, and Ken said, actually, I'd rather that Pat didn't speak. And I went, well, fine. Okay, I'll enjoy dinner. <laughs> so they got David Speedy to speak instead. <laughs> His opening line was, hey, you effing fat old, see you in. <laughs> <laughs> Get your hand your effing wallet yesterday. He was pissed out of his head. And I'm thinking, <laughs> I suspect my speech would have been better. I really do. <laughs> I'm going to run you through your sponsors. Go ahead. I'll see if I remember them. No. Grange Farms? No idea. Buy Lynn Tea? I think you're lying. <laughs> <laughs> Either that or Wikipedia. Simod? That's Simod, one. I get that one. What is Simod? I don't know, but there was the Simod Cup, which was yeah. the precursor or the afterwards to the, was it the Zenith Data oh, Systems. I'll tell you what it was. It was the one they brought in. It was after Heysel. After Heysel. Yeah. 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 
I should know more about it because I suspect, and I'm not very good at these things, I played in more of those finals than any other player in history. Oh, wow. really? Because mm, I played for Chelsea and won. We beat uh, Man City 5-4 at Wembley. And we I played twice for Everton. You've got a question on the 5-4. Yeah, well, it's... <laughs> this is astonishing. Well, it's it's a sort of two-part. I mean, the first part is that you, you were 5-1 up mm-hmm. with about, well, less than 10 minutes to yeah, go, yeah, maybe. Yeah. And they came back 5-4. They kind of came back. They kind of came back. They didn't really come back. It was a bit of a scam. Oh, okay. really? Mm. In what sense? Well, they got to 5-3, but there was like, it gone well over time. Yeah. And then they basically, the referee gave him a penalty and Doug Rigby for once wasn't near the guy when the guy went down. And I turned to the referee and said, what are you doing? He goes, the game's finished, Pat. I'm just making it exciting. And I went, good call. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's a great cup that's competition it's a good call but we were at Wembley we won a cup and it was great for you yeah. well the, the second part of that question was the fact that you had played a league game the, literally the day before, day before against yeah. Southampton yeah, like less than 24 hours later you yeah. played which is why I'm kind of again slightly old school when I hear players saying oh it's terrible I've got, we've got three Two games, games in eight. oh yeah. shut up <laughs> Until you played the Zenith Data Systems Cup yeah. the day after. Well, I remember I played a league game and a Scottish international one the day after as well. So and did twice. they rest anyone in these situations? Uh, no. no, if no. you get injured, you couldn't play. Well, they played. I looked it up. The ten players from both sides played yeah. in the Saturday fixtures. That's amazing. Again, part of the reason why it was five five four probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I grant you that. This is a quite astonishing end. If they were to score again here, we really would have a fantastic finish. And is he brought down? He hit, it's a penalty. Well, this is quite astonishing. Andy May wriggled his way into the penalty area and was brought down. And Manchester City, who were 5-1 down, with six minutes to go, now have the chance of making it 5-4. Mark Lillis. Yes! So... Do you know Graham Rousseau said you introduced him to goulash for the first time? But you took him really early doors out for a goulash. Um, yes, it was the cheapest food you could get in Kensington. <laughs> uh, I asked him, had he got any things to ask you about? And he said apparently when he turned up at Chelsea, you and him just stayed on the training field because he was a left back and you were a right winger. Well, uh, he, he and they'd all go home and you'd just stay. try and go past him. I made him stay. He had no choice in the matter because <laughs> I was a first team player. And he's yeah. one of the youth team, so he can go back and paint the stadium if he wants, or stay here. And I, I had these regimes and methods of technical things. Also, I wanted to learn how to be a better defender as well, so he could run at me as well. So I'm right wing, he's left back, so it worked. But the worst thing was, so you have to scrub everything you know. I've picked a kid out of the youth team. I've dragged him back, we go into the bridge, and we're training. And after about six, seven weeks, I, I'm struggling to get by this kid. <laughs> I think... What the hell's going on here? I'm a Scottish international. I can't get back. Now, how am I to know that he's the next England fullback? <laughs> I've just brought a random kid out there and stuck him there. You have no idea. You have no way of knowing that. I'm just saying, I'm losing it completely here. Uh, so, Graham and I, I'm So, sure when he... he made the England team, you're like, oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah. Now, oh. David Speedy, mm. who uh, Graham Lasso described as the other end of the spectrum to you. <laughs> Um, I had a story that so you turned up David Speedy um, the words I, that were in the article were, had a psychopathic abhorrence of you and I think it was the other way around oh was yeah. it yeah but 
when you got called up to Scotland, because yeah. he also played for Chelsea, they presumed you were mates and put you in a room together. For three whole days. <laughs> Someone who I had great difficulty being in the same company for a minute with. Wow. Now, the big thing to understand about Speedo was that we had an amazing understanding on the pitch. I mean, stunningly good understanding on the pitch. He was, and he was a great player, yeah. fabulous to work with, and we had phenomenal understanding. But, you know, politically, and I mean in the worst, ugliest way, Oh. We, we were the absolute opposites, you know, yeah. considering where my work was. You know, I, so we couldn't stand each other. I can remember in the first year at Chelsea, going there, first couple of days, David Speedy and Kerry Dixon kicking lumps and punching each other, punching each other's lights out. A few weeks later, yes, Colin Lee, the big two, yeah. six foot two inch right back, him and David Speedy punching lumps at each other. A few weeks later, Canners. And David Speedy, but well, you can see that kind of common line here, <laughs> Speedy right through the yeah. middle of it. But that was a kind of normal thing then. In fact, the whole story of all the fights is brilliant. I mean, they really are great. My f- two favourites were um, one involving Speedy. He was Joe. Mag- he'd been shouting at Joe McLaughlin, our centre half, saying, "You're rubbish. You're crap. You're this. You're this." You know, all the way through this game and training. And Sp- McLaughlin had told him to shut up. Anyway, he wouldn't shut up. Eventually. Joe strode all the way. Now, Joe looks like, oh, what's his name? Paul Young. Remember Paul Young? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Walks all the way up, just purposely all the way up the pitch, and Speedy's going, come on there, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Come on, come on, come on. And what are you all doing at this point? Watching. He sparks him. One punch, down Speedo goes. Yeah. Knocked out. We played on. (laughs) (laughs) We just blanked it. We just played on. One, two's round him. Around him. The body that's lying around him. It wasn't that much care and consideration. <laughs> I'm thinking, what the hell have I come to here? <laughs> I was going to see nice gigs and it's been a Glasgow, they weren't called hipsters then, but things, This have I really made the right decision here <laughs> to become a professional footballer? Well, let's get on to the music. So is it true John Neal, the, the manager of Chelsea, would let you listen to New Order on your headphones while he was doing the team talk? Yes, that's true. Um... <laughs> The reason being is I had to explain to him that um, I didn't like this concept. I had quite big concepts at the time. Um, yeah. I didn't like the idea everyone used to run out all stiff, you know, with a ball under the arm. and Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you shut your eyes and you can see the way they all ran out. Mm. You know, it's, it's regimented, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's really stiff. Yeah, it's yeah, right. yeah. I wanted to wallop out. <laughs> I wanted to go out totally relaxed. You think of, you know, the Billy Bremner running out yeah. with the ball. And then con- compare that with Rude Hewitt walking yeah. out before a game. Would you consider yourself kind of Johan Cruyff style approach? Ev- everything about where football has gone was turned by Johan Cruyff. Everything. Right. Yeah. The reason why football, the good and the bad, the yin and the yang, is Johan. It all turns on Johan, right? So what he did to Bayern, what he started there. Okay, there was people that taught Johan, but Barcelona, all the way to Pep now, yeah. is Cruyff. Yeah. And it's that... It's all about artistry. It's all about creation. It's all about being relaxed and comfortable on the ball. So I'd say to him, look, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a creative player. You don't want the first ball to come to me to bounce off me because I'm all stiff and that. You want me to be comfortable and relaxed. So, okay, Pat. Wow. And what did the other players make of that? Because they, I wasn't arrogant with it. Yeah. They were quite cool. Yeah. And I kind of made them a few goals as well. <laughs> it kind of helped. <laughs> Was there a stereo in the dressing room? Like, you know... Never. 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 No, that, never, never, never no, 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 that didn't come till about 88, 89. Oh, really? Wimbledon were the first team to do that, 88, 89, I think. 
And did, were you allowed anywhere near it when it did eventually come to the rest of the room? Um, no, what I did, um, my the only time with music was involved, you, see, the, the biggest change in my life at the time was the Walkman. It changed my life <laughs> yeah. completely because they've got their music on the stereo and the coach. I can then put the Walkman. Yeah. So, I, so I'd, I'd have more stuff, but I'd usually be taping the Peel Show. Oh, right, night. yeah. So I'd be listening to the Peel Show and then editing down the stuff that I like from the Peel Show and then buying that. So yeah. it's a really quite eclectic match. Yeah. So I can remember once we played a game famously against Manchester City and it was the first ever game Friday night live on BBC TV ever. Fortunately, we won 2-0. So this was basically made, meant that we were going to get a promotion. So I was 19, I scored a goal, finished the game and the manager said, right, okay, Monday morning, lads, see you then. Everybody on the coach and I went, um, I'm staying in Manchester if you don't mind. Oh, all right, okay, fine. See you, see you Monday, Pat. So I did what anybody would do in that situation. I went to the Hacienda. And <laughs> <laughs> so what year would this have been? Exactly. There were six people in the Hacienda that night. <laughs> <laughs> this was before Manchester happened. This was yeah. when Joy Division, the yeah. New Order had just bought it with Tony. And uh, I went in that night and it was it was okay. I met, I think that was the night I first met Vinnie Riley, who became a great friend of me from yeah. Direct Column and Factory. And did you, with John Peel, so you interviewed him for the... Um, Bridge News, which we were talking about before, I was writing for them. And I decided to write a piece on John Peel. Yeah. I wanted to interview him. Basically, I just wanted to meet John Peel because he was, if I had a hero in yeah. music, it was him. So I wrote to him and said... Uh, could I do an interview for you? I write for a small paper in West London. <laughs> so he wrote a nice letter back. This is days when you had to write letters. Yeah. He wrote a nice letter back saying, I'm very busy, I won't be able to do it. And I, for the first, last, only time in my entire life, I wrote back again and said, look, in actual fact, John, it's a, it's, it's a football team I play for and uh, we're playing against your team, Liverpool, in a few weeks' time and I'd like to do it <coughs> quickly. Uh, so would you be able to anyway phone me then two days later why didn't you say it was you you know <laughs> and we met up and immediately became like really just got on great and John yeah. was just we're great friends we would go to gigs and I would go to gigs as a normal gigger because I was doing that anyway yeah. and stand up the back and John was always quite uh, hands folded up the back um, did he get hassle, a lot of hassle at the no, gigs no he's always always cool people would come up and send, give him a, a tape did um, they ever come up to you and go you're Pat Nevin wow no, that's the whole point. That was the joy of it. Yeah, I could live this kind of semi-life where nobody knew. So, you you join Everton. What? Yeah. Why did you leave? Um, no, I wanted to stay. I oh, wanted yeah. to stay, but they needed the money. I think, yeah, yeah. And they didn't offer me a contract. Okay. So before we were relegated, I knew I was going. And then what happened was I went uh, on holiday uh, with my girlfriend, wife to be, and the guy from the bar ran down. And he said, um, is you, your friend, your flatmate, my new flatmate, Pierre, uh, he is on phone, you must phone him. So I went back up and he said, Pat, it's Everton have been phoning Colin Harvey. He said, um, he, said he wants to talk to you. I went, oh, Everton. Um, all right, tell him I'll sign. Right, I'll be back in a couple of weeks. <laughs> and Pierre went, yeah, no problem. And away he went. So Was it that easy? Then this is what happened. Colin Harvey then phoned up Peter and Peter went, uh, Pat says, it's all right, I'll sign. Colin Harvey went, Agents? Um, and, no, no, Pat says he'll sign. I'll be all right. He goes, really? Is that the way? It doesn't work that way. And he went, no, it does with Pat. <laughs> Never were a great team at the time. They were amazing. Did you think that was going to continue to... Yeah, obviously. I mean, turned up and it... I, my, yeah, I'm first, not blaming you, but my, it kind of dropped off. 
My first game there, we played Newcastle. We beat them 4-0 and we were fantastic. What a team. Miles better than Chelsea team I played for. Yeah. And this was a massive step up. And of course, I'm an international by then and it is. You're on the next rung. You're really near yeah. the top now. And for a variety of reasons, it crashed and burned about two years into it. I mean, the first year we got to the FA Cup final, which isn't bad. On that yeah. FA Cup final, what was that like? Because that was the post-Hillsborough, Everton, Liverpool. Yeah, well, I shouldn't have... Um, was it a weird... Well, I'll get back to it in a second. I'll tell you, mm. finalised the signing. I got back after my hanging about in Corfu. I, I got on a flight and I got up to um, Manchester Airport and there's Colin Harvey waiting for me with Terry Daricott in a, his car. So I come out and he's going, oh, great to see you, great to see you. Putting me in the back of the car. Starts driving through, nice pleasantries, chatting away. And uh, we're driving along. Anyway, would you believe it? The first song comes on the radio. Ceremony by New Order. I love Manchester and Liverpool. They are cool <laughs> up here. Next song. Cure. Mm, it's all right. Yeah, it's, yeah, fine, fine. Next song. Cocteau Twins. The station's this. Can I have a look at the station, Colin? It was a mixtape that his daughter had made for me to listen to me to put me in a good mood. Amazing. <laughs> no way. <laughs> Brilliant, and it was every band that they knew, and they were into as well. Oh wow! So they were much closer to my age. Yeah. And I met his daughters and his wife, and I was sold then. I didn't even need to go to the club because yeah. he was the nicest person, one of the best people I've ever known, and he's the nicest family. Um, and they just it was just lovely. So then I get to Everton, and you know it was right at the start. It was brilliant. First game, phenomenal team. We bought Tony Cotty. Yeah. And myself, McDonald, McCall, we are getting good players in. What a team. Filled with internationals. Um, first game, hammered the Newcastle. Second game, brilliant. Third game, playing against Nottingham Forest, against Pierce, which I love playing against Stuart Pierce. Right? Do you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The psychologist, he's the best psychologist. We had a, we had a psychological battle for 19 years. Really? It was great. We never said hello. We never <laughs> spoke. We never shook hands. We never said a word directly against each other nothing he would give you the, the dead eyes and, and like I, you go up against him if he hit you down get up get us a ball and go straight out as if to say is that your best shot mate <laughs> in fact what I actually got was I managed to get this other psychological thing because I'd watch other wingers play against him who would always shout over to the other winger to switch so they didn't need to play against him because yeah. they were psychologically screwed by him so what I used to do is get my manager to play me on the other wing to start with, with the agreement after five minutes I check, Gaffer, Gaffer, can I play against him? <laughs> so I go over to play against Piers. <laughs> but you know he's a good player, and I like playing against good players. And if you, you presumably see him, seen him. Anyway, since I'll, you tell, I'll tell you. I finish how it happened. So anyway, I played. So the first time we this game, third game for Everton, right up to him, dummy him, straight past him. Next time. Phew, straight inside him done him again third thing up to him I'll give him a minute outrageous dummy went by him and made the ultimate mistake as I went by I gave him the look <laughs> and we looked behind as if say what are you doing down there <laughs> so I knew that next one was going to be not pleasant and for yeah. the first time you talk about fear for the first time and only time I can remember in my entire career I got the ball and I went towards him and I could see the eyes now he wasn't looking at the ball he was looking at me so he's going to tackle me roughly chest height. So, and the ball's on the floor. So I did a thing I never do, I turned away. 
So I yeah. turned away with the ball and didn't see the guy behind me who snapped a cruciate. Oh, so no. that's the story of Everton. I then yeah. I'm out for four months, three months. But when I come back, it had all changed. There was a schism within the team and it was really quite ugly. We got to the FA Cup final. I scored the win on the semi, which is supposed to be the highlight, you know, but within a few minutes, it was the worst day yeah, of the yeah. career because we came off and we found out what had happened at Hillsborough. So a, I've never had a, um, High and a, low. a hit like that. Yeah. It's like changing gears from first to fifth or fifth to first. It's like, what was the final like to play in? Well, I didn't want to play. Um, did you get the option? Were you no, the option? no, no. I said I didn't win the game. Oh, right, right. Uh, I thought uh, if someone, I got asked at the time, what do you think? And I said, well, I don't play it. If there's a gap in the FA Cup, mm. everyone will remember the year. Yeah. Well, but the fam, and we all had to go to quite a lot of the funerals. We had to, we wanted to, we did, but it was, it was horrendous. Kids, youngsters, it was, well, everyone knows how horrifying it was. But yeah. in Liverpool, you know, it was just an extraordinary time. But the families wanted the game to be played. And the only way to do it was to do it the right way, to make it a celebration of football, of Merseyside, of... Remember, Liverpool and Everton fans at the time used to mix. So if mm. you if I scored in a, for Everton against Liverpool, you turned around at the crowd, half it'd be red and half be white. Yeah. You can't mm. imagine that now. Yeah. But that's the way it was then. And so there was a, there, it was a great final, and, and it was... They cheated. Well, they did. Are you trying to tell me bringing on Ian Rush as a sub is not cheating? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yes. Take off Aldridge and bring on... They were some team. They won 3-2. McMahon. Barnes. Rush. Go. 3-2 Liverpool. Ian Rush gets his second. This now becomes one of the most dramatic FA Cup finals of recent times. Um, let's talk politics. Um, one year at Everton, you're there with Neville Southall, Peter Reid, noted lefties, quite vocal these days. Mm-hmm. Were, were those politics apparent at the time? Um, Different to David Speedy. Well, I, yeah, very. <laughs> Brexit Speedy. I think. Uh, <laughs> speedy Brexit. Diame- diametrically. <laughs> I think. Um, Neville's are unusual. Neville's are extreme and odd ways. His isn't. Yeah. He, I mean, I've not he- listened to Neville recently about it, but Neville's weren't. He wouldn't follow anyone. He would have his own ideas. Read Did you plan the game where he stayed on the pitch? Yes. Did you? Yeah. So what happened there? We were getting beat, and he he stayed on the pitch, sat at the goalpost. We didn't notice. <laughs> Half time. <laughs> So we did the team talk, we done everything, and we went back out and played. And then after everyone was talking about Neville stayed in the pitch, to which our reaction was, yeah, he's probably getting his head right. And, Ever- and his reaction was, yeah, I was getting my head right. There was no big story. Yeah. The papers didn't go for that. They right, went yeah. in this big, he's making this big statement. He wasn't, he's getting his head right. Yeah. Neville would do what he never had to do. It's like, I'll do something strange, but you know me, I'll, I'm doing it for the right reasons. Neville's a bit like that. It would be a strange methodology, but he would do whatever he had to do. Um, now, if people leave a club, people don't, football fans don't get this. I'm your best mate. I've worked in a trenches you were for five years. You leave, I didn't even, didn't even know you were leaving. You could have been my roommate for five years. We've shared everything. Mm. You go to another club, I probably won't talk to you for 10 years now. You've really? Gone. Really? Yeah, gone. yeah, it's gone. Now, wow. these days, there might be the odd text. Yeah. Not then. 
But, you move on. But, but really, you wouldn't yes. call up a t- no. old teammate and no. never. What about like with the international? We'll get we'll get onto your international career. What about with Scotland? Like, would you like? He got on fine while you're there, but I'm going to be playing against Canada Glish next week, so I'm not going to be his best mate, <laughs> you know, or Hansen. I'm going to be yeah. trying to take the ball round him. But they, I know they. Um, Lampard, Gerard, and Rio said this recently on BT Sport about like you know in, in international football they don't really have a bond. But and it sounds like you're saying that about Scotland. Why but should you? All the best nations. They no, seem you have to a have bond that for that period. Yeah. yeah. Although Hammond said that certain certain managers work on it and can get a good bond. Mm. And when I first played for the Scotland team, there was none. It was horrible. It was horrible to play because the Who Angles. Was the manager then, Alex um, Before, yeah, Jock, and then so I like. Um, but it wasn't their fault the Anglos and the Scots didn't mix right so the Aberdeen players who were really good under Sir Alec uh, you know and the Dundee United players were good and Celtic players were good and Rangers players were good but you had Liverpool players who were the best in the business and Arsenal players or whatever and it was a real kind of they don't mix yeah and the Scottish press didn't really like the Anglos so there wasn't a really nice feeling but when Roxburgh became the manager he kind of got rid of that kind of feeling. And then we had a, a good, for a good run of years, we had a very good um, team feeling within the group. But it's, it's absolutely the case. Tony Cotty was my roommate for four years, near four and a half years at Everton. Didn't speak to him for maybe six, seven years after that. Really? When I left. Are we really good I mates? Did. Yeah. And um, if we meet now, it's hi, Tony. Hi. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Is that not a shame? <laughs> it feels like a shame. Your best mate at work. Do you hang about with him all the time? If you work for KPMG and you you move to JP Morgan next week, yeah. are you going to be phoning him up every week? Probably yeah. not. It's weird because there's fans who don't think of it as a workplace. Yeah, but it is a workplace, that's the thing. Yeah. Uh, and you are close at the time and you have to be close at the time. But there's this, again, it's one of the strangest things in football, football that people don't understand. And it's the hardest part of the dynamic to work out is that I'm sitting with you, so we're mates and we're playing the same team and we'll do everything together and we'll fight for each other. And by the way, I want your job. Yeah. And I'll take it from you. Yeah. I don't care about your wife and your kids. I'm a nice guy. <laughs> I'll still do that to you. That's how competitive it is. It's an extreme competitive industry. The, the, the good thing about it is generally a meritocracy. Yeah. So that's yeah. okay. Unlike other businesses which aren't. Yeah. And that's that's harder because you've been inside it that long. It's really weird that people don't understand it. But of course, why should you understand it? You're not inside it. Yeah. I went to see a play just two weeks ago, and it was about football. It's and the red line. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Yeah, it's really good. They've got inside, and I, I mean, the arts aren't very good at it. They've never been very good. Film in particular. Yeah. Cinema is garbage at football. I mean, absolutely ghastly at football. I think there's two football movies that I've ever liked. Escape to victory is shit beyond belief. <laughs> it's Sylvester Stallone in, in Bangers. Oh, Unbelievable. It's nothing to do with football. <laughs> it's what? shit. We just don't really, we're not very good at it. And the arts haven't really got it particularly, done it particularly well over the years. But is that because they can't capture what it's like on screen? However they recreate it, mm-hmm. it just feels artificial. It doesn't it's, feel... Exactly. And... Thank you. That was a problem with Dream Team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but even said that most football players and almost every football fan will see the fake. 
Yeah. You can see yeah. they're taking a minute. Yeah. You're a football fan. When you there's watch a steady camera, like foot level, yeah. tracking the guy dribbling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a camera out on the pitch. Sure, referee, have a word. Yeah. It's almost impossible. It's almost thing. impossible to look like you're going for a tackle when you know you're going to miss the tackle, I yeah. imagine. It's one of the most dangerous things in the world is not to try and tackle somebody. Right, someone's going to get injured. I, I, I heard John Terry make that point. He said, "Like in training, you have to be intense and one hundred percent because as soon as you take your foot off, you will that's when people get injured." Yeah, they I've really stuck. What does he true. mean by that? I mean like Can't everyone's got to be intense in that training situation. Right. Or, if I see if I play against you, yeah, it would be, I don't know what time to play. I'm you play rubbish, it, right? awful, <laughs> awful. <laughs> I reckon <laughs> I'm going to say it. You're the best in the room. <laughs> <laughs> if I like to flatter our one of my problems. If I, I mean, remember when the first things I play, I, I did a lot of work for um, a football charity that puts games on in football stadiums. It, it was good for a while, but then they said, could you play in some of the games part? I'm like, yeah. And it used to, it used to drive me nuts because I'd get the ball and I'd run up to it and I'd throw a dummy and then go the other way and run straight in there because he hadn't fallen for the first dummy. <laughs> said, no, 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 let me, see when I do that, you go that way and then I go, that's, that's, the, that's the idea. You've got to see that I'm doing that. <laughs> the difference between a pro and an amateur, mm, and yeah. it's not because we are footballers, it's at every level that you do it, at anything. A joiner, somebody who likes a bit of DIY gets a, a very good artistic joiner. Mm. Seriously, the difference is big. Well, let's talk about dropping down a level. Tranmere. Not sure it was. They were brilliant. They were but great. Why were a, they so good? This is a golden period for them. It's, cra- <sighs> it's crazy, the team. Like, can we start with John Aldridge? Like, well, how did he... How do you find yourself in a team with John Aldridge? This guy who's like... Well, that's why, kind of reason why I went. Um, I was at Everton. I'd fallen out with the manager, Howard Kendall. And I had to get <laughs> into the team again, playing football, so that the Scotland manager could spot me, so that I could then get into the Euro night too. Yeah. So I went and went to try me for a, for a month. And while I was there, I was there, played the first couple of games, and I started looking around thinking, shit. They are absolutely brilliant. Aldo was a top international player and as good a goal scorer as Rush. Yeah, you know, why was he there? He'd moved from, was it Bilbao? Sociedad. Sociedad. And no one would take him. And it was beyond belief that no one took him. So Tramiel took him. 40 goals a season every season. <laughs> <laughs> he cost, he cost 250,000. So why would no one take him? Was he? It's hard to, it's hard to know. He thought he was all too old. And he wasn't. He was just 30. I, I remember seeing fast. Plymouth in the then Division 2 now Championship we played Tranmere and it was a big day because John Aldridge was playing at home park uh-huh. and he nice. did that he had that penalty where he'd stop yeah. and then he'd run up oh, and he missed and it was the greatest moment <laughs> of my life <laughs> but that was like the continental thing at the time was that he'd brought back this idea that you stop and you run I, up he, I mean his percentages were incredible I mean he's, I learned a lot of him I said to him one day I, Think of my career average was one in five goals. I was more of a creator than a scorer, so one in five is quite good for a winger mm. midfielder. Um, but I just I think he scores forty every season, you know, and he's a good finisher. I mean, he's a brilliant finisher, but that's weird. That the numbers don't add up. So I just I dug him up at training because we did finishing at training. And I'm thinking mm. I'm popping in as many as him here, and I said to him after training, "Can I have a word?" And he went, "Yes." Um, I know this is going to sound stupid, but how come you score so many goals? <laughs> Please like explain. you're into going live I, or I something. I just really like to know. He goes, go where the defenders aren't. 
That's it. Is that it? <laughs> yeah, go where the defend. No point going where the defenders are. They'll get the ball. Go where they aren't. If the ball lands at you, you score. God, is it that easy? <laughs> Nineteen goals I scored that season. Really? Just really? Nineteen just to do goals. That? Did you change the way yes. you played then? You were just so I was wide. Wow. And every time I ran in from wide, I'd score seven, eight, nine, ten, maybe a good season, eleven or twelve. That season, as I was running in for wide for the wing and the ball was coming for the other side, I come from anywhere else. I didn't look at the ball. I looked at the defenders and just ran to where the I just got about, oh, wow. about, about 10 goals tap-ins for nothing that's yeah. amazing it Free was goals. unbelievable and it was so just that line from Aldo I mean you scored some good goals as well and he scored some great goals as well but that was a, a stunning little nugget just to get that what was he like as a person Aldridge? <laughs> 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 he was like a centre forward <laughs> <laughs> centre forwards yeah they're, they're the centre forwards you know they're, they're quite self-orientated and that's what they mean in be. and whereas that's why they're not captains and good managers as so well presumably you said it managers <laughs> yeah, true yeah. how many centre forwards have been great managers really Brian Clough there's very few like Alex Ferguson Alex Ferguson <laughs> so the two best, best. <laughs> <laughs> did, do you reckon did you recognise the John Aldridge the angry John Aldridge of World Cup 94 yeah oh he's angry all the time. Was he, that, that was oh he's him. furious if you scored a hat trick and he didn't score he was furious I know, and they wouldn't hide it. So that was good. Um, it was nice to have surrounded by lots and lots of extremely good, you know, good guys, good players. The four years I had at Tranmere was as happy as any time I had. They were just brilliant. You get to the play, you're in the playoffs time after time, but never yeah. never made the so close. Never made it yeah, so close. And we were, we were often we were the best team in the division, yeah. but we were very attack minded, and. We played every Friday night, so it was a Friday night game. It was under the lights. It was always exciting. We were brewing at home, um, but away so from So do you home. play on Friday nights so that it didn't clash with Liverpool and yeah. Everton? And so did that increase the gates? Yes. Did it? We were often getting 17, 18, 19,000. Oh, really? Yeah. I can remember a guy called Higgins who used to play centre-back for this brilliant, funny, funny, surreal guy. And I remember he went down and injured once, so two minutes to go, and he's down, and he's like... Referee's come over. Referee's run over. What is it? What is it? I can see my house from here. <laughs> <laughs> In the middle of a match. <laughs> and the coins just they were. Okay, I could go on forever about this, the strangeness of trying there. I loved my time there. It was absolutely joyous and probably played my best football for trying there. Let's talk about your international career. Scotland. But 1990, five consecutive World Cups Scotland had qualified for by 1990. That's This was a golden era of, of football for Scotland. Yeah, I better blow that because I couldn't get again. Um, <laughs> no, it was. We had a lot of good players and I was fortunate to play with, with a lot of them. Um, I was in three squads before World Cups. Drop for the World well, Cup. I've got a, started. Uh, a way of illustrating that. Go on. Oh. I brought my 1990 World Cup sticker. Album. <laughs> yeah. Now you didn't make the 1990 World Cup. Yeah, but you did was... make the sticker album. I also <laughs> made. The, I also made the song. You also I did you make the song. So you were recorded two, on the song. I was on two of the songs, but never oh. got into the. There you are, Pat Nevin. God, that's impressive. It's a good team, I've though. I've never seen that. You hadn't made it into the first team. I know. Your space was taken by Roy Aitken on the right. 
I don't think you'd have been right wing for us. No. Well, the point is... It's not a very well-made sticker album. <laughs> can I actually tell you, there's an interesting thing about that time, which has got reference now. You always think all the new things are happening in football now, but let me tell you something that was happening then that's happening right now. And it's exactly the same. Chelsea last year played 3-4-3, and Willian played a lot. He was great, as did Pedro, quite a lot. Hazard most of the time, but Willian and Pedro got a lot a lot of game time. Willian and Pedro are playing brilliantly just now, but they can't get a game. Chelsea have played, now play 3-5-2. There is no space for the winger. Yeah. Scotland played 3-5-2. Uh, There's no space for a winger. So my position didn't really exist uh, in the uh, team for about six or seven years. So the only time I could get a game was you play against the Minnows and I was the door run walker or you're stuffed and there's 10 minutes to go and get somebody to do something creative um, or else I was one of the best two centre forwards now that was hard because you have a look through that sticker album I don't know who was in Graham Sharp Sharpie Mo Johnson Ali McCoist Brian McClare might have been there as well Brian McClare he didn't make the sticker album so, you at least made the sticker album <laughs> so you know we had a good team yeah. at the time so it was hard to get a game it was really hard to get a game at the time we should end with before we end, we can't let you oh, leave yeah, the room. It's the panel. No, no, it's the going to dinner with Morrissey story. All right, like um, just set this up for those who don't know. You went for dinner with Morrissey. No, well, it's, it's definitely not Neil Morrissey. No, what, what, <laughs> it's more complicated than that. What happens is, um, I knew the factory people. Vinnie Ray was a great friend of mine, Joey Cobb, still is. Uh, one day, Vinnie phones us up and he said, Do you want to come round to my friend's house? And I went, Oh, yeah, okay, tomorrow night. Yeah, what's his name? It was Stephen. Stephen, <laughs> whom? Stephen Patrick and I went yeah I guess that's Morrissey yeah okay I go into train the next morning and I say um, any, hey lads because before sat in the halves and all that sort of stuff does anybody know where Bowden is? Norman Whiteside well known imbiber yeah. of the alcohol said oh I know I live in Bowden Park and I went oh good how'd you get there in junction X of the M56 and I went oh great I said you don't happen to know where XX Road is and he went I live there I went, oh, I'm going there tonight with a friend of mine, to meet a friend of mine. He goes, oh, I'll come to him. We'll all go and get pissed. <laughs> <laughs> Norman Whiteside is gate crashing Morrissey's <laughs> with any Riley and me. And I'm going, my chin's on the ground at this point. I went, um, yeah, I'll see if I can pick you up, Norm. So anyway, I drive there. I have no intention of picking up Norm because I know if Norm goes out, he will yeah, go yeah, on yeah. one, right? So get to the house and uh, meet Vinny and we'll go in and there's Morrissey at the table and he's really Not playing it up. He's playing it up. You know, it was, at the time it was... What stage is this? Um, Post 91. 91, okay. Yeah. So we come in and we sit down. And do, do you call him Morrissey? Moz. Moz, okay. Yeah. So it was just perfectly nice chat and it was good fun. And then I said, look, what shows are in your house then? And he went, what? I said, well, where I come from, you've got a nice big house here. It's got three levels. It's got turrets. Shows around your house. You live here on your own. <laughs> Let's see your house. And I, I, I couldn't. I'm thinking he wants to, and he did. So he showed us around, and it was fabulous. Every room. It's got a story. Every room's brilliant. Walk past this other room, and he said, "Oh, don't worry about that." And I went, "Yeah, right. I want to see what's in that room." And it took him a bit of while, but eventually talked him into it. And it it's no surprise now, but when you think about it, but then it was a surprise. It was a multi-gym, which you wouldn't have thought of Morrissey and Smith's. <laughs> a multi-gym? A multi-gym, right. 
And he was hiding it. That's the thing he wanted to hide. <laughs> yes, no, that's not on brand. When he said it was no surprise then, but it, it, no, it was a surprise I, then, but no surprise now. Because I was worried it was going to be full of UKIP paraphernalia. Yeah. <laughs> got quite to that level yet <laughs> anyway the best room was he took us up to this other room and, and walked into the room and there was uh, a baby grand piano and uh, Vinny said to him I didn't know you played piano to which Morrissey said no I didn't I bought it for this evening <laughs> so he bought a piano because Vinny's a classically trained piano player I mean a fabulous night but on the way home I thought oh I forgot about Norman so anyway Norman had climbed out his bedroom window tried to find us We'd gone, but I'd gone by this point. He climbed over the wall, found Morrissey's house. Alarms had gone off. Police came. <laughs> Mayhem ensued. Morrissey thought he was being invaded. I came into training and the next day, none the wiser. Oh. <laughs> Is it true that you played a game of football with him? No, that's Vinny's side of it. I can't right. remember that. But I think it's probably true. Right. But I have a notoriously stinking memory. I remember some things, <laughs> but... I think there's a fair chance we kicked the ball. I feel like you'd remember having a kick like the no. game of headers and volleys with I Morrison. Knew, I, it's something I, you'd retain. I bet he'd go and go. Do you know what? <laughs> Absolutely not. And I'll tell you why not. Because my memory's so bad. My first game I'm told that I played for Everton was in a pre-season friendly against Real Madrid. I have no memory at all. I didn't know I had. Can't remember it. Um, when you were playing for Chelsea you still took a really bad penalty and I think the commentator is Barry Davis and he says this is the worst penalty I've ever seen very proud of that any <laughs> I'd actually taken 20 penalties the day before in the same method scored all 20 but it wasn't muddy the day before <laughs> <laughs> and if you watch Eden Hazard taking penalties also Graham Lasso was in goal <laughs> um, no Eddie Nesweski but uh, in actual fact uh, it's quite interesting because you watch Eden Hazard taking penalties now, they're not dissimilar. Do you know who so, used to take penalties like that? It was Signori, who used yeah, to play for Lazio? probably yeah. who I copied. Yeah. So the concept was the keepers were cheating. So if you don't take a run, they can't move early. Yeah. And I'd done it, but in actual fact, we were 4-1 up, there was a minute to go, and I was basically mucking about, as, as I was wont to do now and again. Anyway, I made an arse of it, and I turned away and I thought, oh, I'm in shit now, the manager's going to be furious. So I put my head down, but he watched the back, and he could see that I was laughing. <laughs> so he fined me. No, no. For laughing. Not for missing the penalty, for laughing. I never paid the fine, but he said you're fined 100 quid. We always ask this question to end. Mm -hmm. If we gave the opportunity to go back to the 1st of January 1990 and live it all again, would you? I think it should be 1984. Yeah, right, I think it's a good case for that. Uh, I don't think there's any bits that I would change, really. Yeah. yeah, would you want to I'm do gonna, it again I'm, though? Oh no, I loved every second. Yeah, I loved playing. I had a nineteen-year career. Um, I played something like eight hundred and fifty games. I can't think of many downsides. Would I have done anything different? Well, I was thinking you might go back and just have a word with Saddam and say, "Just let the weapons inspectors." Yeah. <laughs> that's probably the right line. I I or find a different hole in the desert. <laughs> Pat Nevin, thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Pleasure. Cotty, really enjoying himself now, Tony Cotty, and Nevin's in again. Oh, it's all too easy. 3 0. That was Pat Nevin, who, of course, was listening to Bell and Sebastian when we picked him up from the pub. <laughs> <laughs> you can take the man out of Scotland, but. <laughs> 
can't take Scottish indie out of the man. Right, Review Haiku is back again. If you want to win Review Haiku, uh, leave a review on iTunes and you could win a Graham Says Hit Les mug. Let's see what we've got this week. It's Review Haiku. 90s football Review Haiku. Review Haiku. This from Belisarius34. Graham Says Hit Les, admiration for King Des, Lineham Not Walker. Nice. Lovely. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah. Strong. Okay, this, this one's called Kung Fu Cantona by Mathieu. He says this. Eric kicked a fan who'd insulted his French man. Got an eight-month ban. Oh, that's, oh, that's really good. Yeah, two that's two really, really strong ones. Yeah, strong week, eh? Yeah. I mean, as Cantona is my favourite player of all time, I'm afraid the second one just about pips it. Yeah. Well done, Mathieu. You win a grand Tough says, week, though, to be up against that, Lesbian. isn't it? That would have won on other weeks. Would yeah. have won on other weeks, but there we go. That's the, the rising quality as the game goes on. If you don't understand what went on there, review haiku. What we're doing, we're looking for you to leave your haikus as reviews on our iTunes reviews section. Five star review will be looked on favourably, and uh, the best haiku of the week wins a Graham says hit Les mug. Okay, it's the quiz. Let's get quizzical. Okay, here's how it works. Each week, Josh and Chris go head-to-head in the 90s football quiz to choose which song gets to play out at the end of the show. Last week, Josh won and is currently 4-2 up for the series. Now, seeing as the last episode of the series is a quiz, there are only two episodes left for Chris to bring it back to 4-all. So if he wins this, he's still in with a chance. If Josh wins, then he is the overall victor for the series. And this week, it's a return of the old favourite... 90s football transfers, the price is right. Oh, my word. Here we go, TV's biggest game show. It's Bruce's Price is Right. So here's how it works. I will give you a list of transfers from the 90s. All you have to do is tell me the accumulative total of these transfers. Closest to the correct amount wins, but if you go even one penny over, you are eliminated. So, here are your transfers. First up, former guest Tony Dorigo's move from Chelsea to Leeds in 1991. Oh, he said this. He said this. I listened to this. I was there. (laughs) And then I listened to it while I was pushing my baby around the park. I've listened to it twice. No idea. Okay. Second transfer is excellent volley on Mark Hughes' transfer from Manchester United to Chelsea in 1995. Third transfer, David Batty's move from Leeds to Blackburn in 1993. And finally, everyone's favourite footballer turned fire and brimstone preacher... Gavin Peacock's transfer from Newcastle to Chelsea in 1993. So add those four up and work out your final amount. Can't go a penny over? No, one penny over and you're eliminated. Oh, really? Yeah, if you both go over, then there will be a tie-break question. Ready? Well, I'm I'm not going to play the safety game. I'm just going to... You're going big. Well, I've just written my numbers down and I'm like, I'll regret... Knocking some off. You haven't I... subtracted. Okay. Go big no, go because home. I think you should trust your judgment. Yeah. You I think I probably could go over, but I think you should 
live by your beliefs. Okay, let's find out I'm if you're right. I'm going to be cautious as I'm so far behind in this. So, Tony Dorigo's move from Chelsea to Leeds in 1991. Josh, what have you gone for? 1.5 million. I've also got 1.5 million. The correct answer was 1.3 million. Oh, God, I'm in serious trouble. So you're both 200,000 over I'm already in trouble. Next up, Mark Hughes' transfer from Manchester United to Chelsea in 1995. Josh? 3.5 million. Chris? Four. The correct answer was 1 million. Oh, oh no, oh. no, no. What? What a bargain. Yep, absolute bargain. I was so sure that had happened. God, David Batty's going to have needed to move for a good seven or eight million to get me back in the game. <laughs> David Batty's move from Leeds to Blackburn in 1993. Josh? Three million? Oh, boy. Chris? Five. Oh, no, mate. Oh, no. The correct answer was 2.75 million. Oh, God. This is absolutely gone. And finally, Gavin Peacock's transfer from Newcastle to Chelsea in 1993. Josh? Two million? Got two million. The, I mean, this needs to be about negative eight million. <laughs> <laughs> the correct answer was one point five oh, no. million. So the total, Josh, that you've gone for is ten million. Ten million. Chris, twelve point five. Oh my god! You said you were going conservative. <laughs> what happened to you? I was convinced that Mark Hughes went for six million. Six. I know. I just got it. I can remember the paper. Chris, it was there for the taking, mate. I'd gone over. You just needed. I know. I just needed to load. To go for it. zero. Okay, so seeing as neither of you got it correct, it is time for a tie-break question. Closest person to the correct answer wins. Okay, in the first ever Premier League season, 1992-1993, how many goals were scored in total across the entire season? Oh my god. Okay, so time for your answers, Josh. What have you gone for? And please show your workings. Okay, so I've gone for 1,155 goals. Okay. So I thought, I need to work out the number of games. Yeah. I think there was 22 teams in the leagues. There was, correct, yeah. So that's 42 games each team played. (laughs) Yeah. So I thought, obviously, each game is played by two teams. Yeah. So you only need, need 42 times 11 to get the number of games. Strong logic so far. 462 games are played. And then I thought about 2.5 goals a game. I reckon it's probably about 2.7, but I couldn't do the maths with 2.7. <laughs> yeah. So I did 462 times 2.5, which I think is 1,155. Yeah. Okay, so that's 1,155 for Josh. Chris, so what's your answer and show your workings? I've done the same. 19 times 19. So that's, I've worked out 361 games. Again, 2.5 goals, 902. Okay. Actually, 902.5 to be specific. And <laughs> <laughs> Mark Hughes goal. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Oh, it would be a shame if I win this, though. Josh has gone for 1,155. Chris has gone for 902. The correct answer is 1,000... 222 Ooh. so Josh you win and oh, interestingly scars. he looks gutted dejected that is uh, crestfallen and yet relieved that we're almost <laughs> so 5-2 to, 
to Josh for the series Chris can no longer win he's just playing for pride uh, Josh which song would you like once again to play out at the end of the show can I can I just say before you do that that uh, as a relegated team I, I can just play with freedom now in these games. <laughs> <laughs> it's really taking the pressure off uh, well I was going to go into Galactic by the Beastie Boys but actually it's not really what this show is about is it um, so I'd quite like uh, Deeper Underground by Jamiroquai <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> what a theme tune to Godzilla. That's it for this week. Don't forget to sign up to our mailing list at quicklykevin.com. You'll get an email almost with every show and any other kind of gossip or anything else we're doing, live shows. You'll hear about it first on the mailing list. Sign up at quicklykevin.com. Next week, we've got Thomas Parry, friend of the show. See you then. Robbie Slater, see you later. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side by side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.